You're listening to Black Neon Digital Podcast, episode 23, Sunshine Bertrand, Chloe to Givenchy, London to Ibiza, creating eyewear for fashion's luxury leaders. Welcome to Black Neon Digital Podcasts. I'm your host, Jodie Muta Hamilton, the founder of Black Neon Digital, and I believe the future of fashion is to honour craftsmanship whilst embracing innovation and to support each other to build businesses that have integrity. The entrepreneurs and visionaries who we speak to are using fashion as a way to create change, finding new ways of working towards a more sustainable and connected fashion industry. Sunshine Bertrand created her namesake company following a fine art education and having worked in fashion as a stylist and trend forecaster. Then later she headed up eyewear at Victoria Beckham for eight years. Sunshine Bertrand designs eyewear for world-renowned luxury fashion brands including Chloe, Givenchy, Kenzo and Lucy Folk. Leading creative direction and trend forecasting alongside showing the way for responsible design and supporting sustainable materials innovation, Sunshine Bertrand balances aesthetics and commerciality. Sunshine's approach to life is so refreshing and completely inspiring. She has shaped her life and business in the vision she wants it to be, living in Ibiza with an office in London and visiting clients around the world. In this podcast, we find out why it's not that strange for Sunshine to live between destinations or follow a call for adventure. We also learn what it takes to be the go-to business that creates iconic eyewear for fashion's luxury leaders. Thanks so much for having us here today. Um, It's amazing and sunny and you've brought the sun to London for us from Ibiza, so that's made me very happy. Can you just tell us a bit about your story, mainly how you got into eyewear? Because it's quite specific. Um, You know, how how did that all come about? Um, Well, thank you, Jodie. It's so nice to see you again. And um, yeah, I guess my my journey has been specific, but also very fluid, I'd have to say. And um, yeah, I started off in, I was um, studying art, fine art, and I sort of Followed that for the first 10 years of my life. I, I studied fine art and I also travelled a lot. Um, and I'm really grateful for that very free time. It was a lot of adventure and exploration and being able to hone my aesthetic. You know, I didn't go straight into fashion design. I actually have never studied product design. So I come much more from a styling mm. background. So honing my aesthetic in as a as an artist and then did so did you do painting and things or what yeah, kind of, yeah I so okay. my I did my masters in drawing but I did right, a lot okay. of collage like I really was into collage and embroidery right um and yeah I was thinking the other day I guess collage really informed the way I dress I used to go mad for like vintage stores and stuff you know in my early 20s not mm-hmm. having any money I was and I yeah. I loved dressing super creatively I worked at clubs and so I, uh, yeah, I did a lot of collage within my work and I did a lot of collage with my clothes and that led to um, a bunch of styling gigs. So for some magazines and um, in Australia. Kind of quite a similar process in a sense, isn't it? Totally. things together. Yeah, like what they call it, magpie. Mm. And um, yeah, so then that led into some styling, which led into trend forecasting. So that was really my first job in fashion and I could it was when I moved to London I couldn't believe that you could have a such a job and I would be 
flown around to different festivals and to mm. gigs and shows and reporting on what I think the kids are wearing mm. and how they're wearing it and um it was amazing. Kind of a dream job. It was a total yeah. dream in my in my late twenties yeah. to be, yeah, you know, perfect. after Glastonbury and reporting on who's wearing what. Yeah. And then I um, started working for as a trend forecaster. Was that with like WGSN or something? Yeah, or? WGSN. Right, okay. I was doing that for, and then also this business called B-Base out of Hong Kong, and they did uh, white label eyewear for or the high street, so Topshop, Mango, Zara, mm-hmm. Urban Outfitters. So that's where I kind of came in as a product developer trend forecaster, stylist kind of thing. And then I went into, then I got a role with Victoria Beckham when she started really a couple of years after she started Ready to Wear. So she launched an eyewear category Mm -hmm. and I headed that up for the best part of eight years. So that Mm. was really my kind of foray into luxury. Yeah, she's, Um, I mean, she loves her sunglasses as well. She loves her sunglasses. And it was a a really fun time. The team was amazing, really good. Rapport between us all, and um, yeah, we all built something quite brilliant together, mm. and um, yeah, so that's how I got really yeah. into the luxury okay. world and where I am now. Okay, so you, so at the moment you have your own company, and then you work with other brands. So I know you have Chloe, Kenzo, Givenchy. Um, how does that work? Do you you go into them and kind of pitch ideas, or do they contact you, or how does it all kind of? Yeah, so basically I have long-term contracts and relationships with these brands. Um, I'm quite specific about who I work with, so there's a really good brand mix that's interesting for us and there's not crossover, obviously, within the mm-hmm. world of luxury. It's very competitive and you have to to be aware of that. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of different for each brand, Some, but I'll, I'll generally go in there with, like, concepts and mood boards. Once I know the brand's DNA... And, uh, yeah, we start working with the creative team in-house. You know, sometimes it's the jewellery team, accessories. Sometimes it's a creative director of the, ho- of, of the house. How far in advance do you have to do that? Like, say, oh, a God. year? To, like, how far? Like a year and a half. Yeah, okay, well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's super long lead times. And that's why, like, having this trend forecasting background is... is mm-hmm. is um, Crucial, it, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely a bonus. I mean, we don't really rely on the trend forecasting uh, like we did in the in the high mm. street, um, but we re, we look at it to stay ahead, mm. and we also look at it in a very different way. It's more about um, wider culture, you know, looking at design and what's happening in the world of art mm. and um, what shapes, kind of what we shows might. and things are coming up, like art shows or just yeah, movements and in also general. things like what what shapes are coming through from. God, the world of tech or, mm. you know, interiors or something. Like, for example, at Chloe we saw the hexagon coming through in a major way in interiors and, mm. and furniture designs. So we were like, hmm, there's something going on mm. with hexagons. Also is with the idea of, like, beehives and stuff. Mm. And then we created this this uh, style called the poppy hexagon, I think it's called. But that, yeah, that became mm. a bestseller. And it was just because that was in the you ether. Felt it, the yeah. hexagon was yeah. in the ether. So that's where the sort of trend forecasting mm. stuff became quite important. It wasn't like everyone's wearing cat's eyes at the moment. Mm. Let's create some because we'll be way too far behind. Mm. And also the brands, when you're working at the level of luxury, you're creating the trends. Yes. You're not. Yeah, they don't need following. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about, um, so you, you actually go into the brand yourself and you help educate them on kind of design, but also materials and actual product design and the process and all that kind of thing, which again, you know, when you're designing, you are using materials. So it's about sustainability, choosing the best 
best things available. Um, you know, how do you joint do that journey with them? How do you educate them and, and help them? Look, I think it's quite an organic process because it's just a little bit all the time along the way. You know, it's not, we're not at the stage yet of being in these bigger brands, being able to make um, big material changes because the materials aren't quite there yet in eyewear. It's, we're, we're quite behind versus the textiles mm. industry, for example, or tech or jewellery. Um, and say recycled ocean plastics, the quality isn't there for luxury for the luxury market yet. Is that in terms of um, it, it's not rigid it's not flexible it's not rigid yeah Yeah, it's soft um it doesn't feel luxury the finishings also the color options you can't have anything transparent or anything milky it has to all be very solid and dark so very limited but look there's innovation is happening and that's really driven by some of these smaller independent brands Mm. which is brilliant and uh hopefully Mm. us bigger brands will be following but there's lots of other changes you know there's like using different plastics for all these millions of little bags that come Mm. in every different component there's um recycled paper for the boxes like if you can make change within a packaging Mm. that's like across every single style as opposed to just a few styles um there is a product uh an acetate product that is better and is recyclable like it's a little bit biodegradable but it's not 100 percent biodegradable so it's not we're not quite there yeah Yeah, but look there's lots of other ways to influence Mm, right i think that's um really key to what you do actually because um a lot of people you know when i talk to them they sort of say oh i'm not happy working in this large brand anymore i want to leave i want to either set up my own thing or what can i do to make a difference and I'm I'm always like you could do that but actually you could also stay in the company that you're in and you could maybe t- try and turn them around because it's you know if you think about your scale of impact um, you know you've got a much better opportunity within a big brand to create a huger impact right like because they're producing so many more pairs of glasses for example so um, how do you how do you keep pushing on because I know you said sometimes <laughs> it, it's it can be a little bit you know difficult to just maintain that momentum and that posit- positivity around that yeah. so how do you just keep hammering it <laughs> yeah so I guess to start with what you're talking about be, uh, at the start of the question it was it's we we worked with this um, amazing team called the right project who I know you know Roxy yeah. Um, we worked with them for like a year and look I it started off like me also being disenchanted by the industry and thinking I'm going to throw it all in I can't make any more plastic sunglasses in the world Um, I used to call it very expensive landfill (laughs) as it is you know Um, so you know we engaged Roxy and her team to work with us and I was then thinking perhaps starting um, my own brand and, and going down the way of, you know, choosing mm. all um, sustainable materials and a circular design process. Uh, and then really it came to be that I've got more influence, a greater influence, if I can work from within the in, mm. inside the industry and out. So, yeah, I create, I find allies within the industry. It's interesting and Roxy helped mm. me identify that it's it's so 
when you're in a meeting and you're suggesting a new material and someone says, who wants to wear plastic bottles on their eyes, which is a direct quote from one of my meetings. And there's a bunch of us who put their hands up and say, I'd love to wear, pla- yeah. you know, beautiful plastic sunglasses made from plastic bottles. And then you can identify who within mm. both teams mm. really has, has a heart for this and um, and that's where you just keep plugging away and building those relationships mm. and helping to let them know what we mm. know and helping educate them. Kind of like the little chinks of light that you go in and kind of make brighter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like there's yeah. people everywhere who care about the planet mm. um, and, you know, at all different levels. But you just have to keep plugging away. You know, we all yeah. have to like link up, link arms and keep yeah. plugging away. And yeah. that's community. Yeah, true. And that's what, you know, I'm excited to be here with you mm. because like being part of this black neon yeah. digital community, you know, yeah. like being part of lots of different communities yeah. where we're all plugging away and moving forward. It's um, important to yeah. support each other. Yeah. Really important yeah. because. That's kind of yeah. what you've done a bit with SunQuest as well. You know, your idea behind exactly. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So SunQuest is our um, Instagram account. And it's all about um, anything that's happening that's interests us in in and around the eyewear, um, sustainable innovation, mm-hmm. um, what's going on. So, and it's really about building a community. Yeah. So it's like that quote, co- collaborative edge versus mm-hmm. competitive edge. Yeah. You know, if we all get together, it's a much bigger force than yeah. just one person plugging away here yeah. and there. And that's where I really believe that transparency and open source is is um, mm. is key to all of this. Yeah, and which I really is why you've done your sustainability report that that will be on the website. That's you know will be open source, so people can look at it and take from. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So we do each year. My team and I um, a, a report on the state of the eyewear industry and sustainability, and we're looking at all sorts of different topics like. Transparency, circular fashion industry, uh, systems, uh, recycling, renewal, repurposing uh, and innovations in material and then also like sharing all the brands that we're seeing, you know, making these mm-hmm. amazing innovations and moves um, to, to using better materials. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's available to anyone and we try mm. and, like, push it on anyone who's got half mm. an interest. But it's, I think, sharing is all of mm. the knowledge is, is the important place for us to be yeah. right now in the stage of the of where we're all at in, yeah. the, in the eyewear industry. Eyewear, for me, I just thought, wow, it's so um, specific from a design element, as in you've got to have everything um, safety checked and factored and it's on your eye and it's got to be, you know, sun protector and all that kind of thing. So can you just explain a little bit more about how it's different to just making a T-shirt, for example? You know, there's a lot more regulation and, and things behind it and it's very, yeah, it's probably a lot harder. <laughs> yeah, look, it is. It's heavily regulated. Of course, it's like... a you know, seen really as a medical device or something. Mm. It's not, um, you can't just put anything on your eyes and look through it and be able to drive or be protected Mm. by the sun. Um, It's interesting, a few recent trends like red lenses or Mm. yellow lenses don't apply. So sometimes in the bigger brands I work with, we just can't get past that, whereas these smaller independent brands, they can because they can just add something onto it saying not suitable for driving Mm. or... 
um, all those very small micro glasses, you know, they're just yeah. decoration for your face. They're not, they're not protecting you from the sun. Um, and is that fundamentally what you have to do if you provide, this might sound ridiculous, but mm. a pair of sunglasses, it, its primary focus is to be protecting from the sun I rather think than accessory. Like, yeah, I know. think it's changing. Yeah. And it's just like the latest trends have, have pushed mm. that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's been a mindset that yeah. that has been changed yeah. recently, which is fun because it opens it all, up to you know, like, like jewellery. Victoria Beckham's were quite like big and, all, yeah. you know, that was her vibe. Like, yeah. And that would definitely protect you from the sun, but the kind of more, I don't know, and also metal on your skin as well. Like how Absolutely. does that work? Like, yeah. For the heat and stuff. Yeah, know? yeah. Or used to call, I met some guy in New York, I think it's very like common in the States, but you call those massive shades hate blockers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's all sorts of regulations with different metals and, mm. and, and different countries, are, 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 like Australia has the highest or the strongest yeah. Re, um, yeah. regulations. So, but look, I have to say, I, I, I spend a lot of, time like holding the space around creative freedom for myself and my team and so we're not if we start designing with all of these regulations and all these like super tight briefs from our clients and we just get too stuck it's like designing for a Mm. matrix you know it doesn't it doesn't work so um creating space for for freedom Mm -hmm. is an innovation is really important and then we collaborate with the you know these amazing people at the factories who are Mm -hmm. the who industrialize the product and then we collaborate with them about how Mm. it's going to be made and if it's going to pass the regulations yeah and just have thick skin and not be too disappointed when so we get told no. It's such like a specific craft as well as in, you know, we were saying before mm. about how, you know, not many people in England do it, da, 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 but Italy, they really know that craftsmanship element and kind of it's over years and years and years that they've learned this craft. Can you just explain more about the craft part of it, particularly yeah. in Italy and so forth? Yeah, I guess I best know Italy because that's where I've made most. I've made a little bit in... Um, in China and in Japan, but I'm just sort of less connected. I've spent a lot of time uh, at the factories in Italy. Also, it's in the most beautiful place where mm. all the Prosecco is made, so it's not a bad gig. But, um, yeah, there's a really strong lineage um, of craftsmanship in Italy. And I have to say, like, in this heavily industrialised time, mm. it's it's more important than ever, these skills. Um and this knowledge base, and I have huge respect for these people, like the way that their minds think versus ours. Mm. So it's really cool about creating like good relationships and rapport and and really like opening up to a collaborative process at that stage. Mm-hmm. You know, they can bring so much to the process that we, we have a design and they can, they can suggest. Bring it to life. And, yeah, yeah. And in a different way that we mm. might not have envisaged it. So it's being open and, and um, not too stuck on mm. your idea. Also, like you find people within, um, if you ignite a innovative spark in there, which a mm. lot of them have, they'll start bringing technologies from like the motorcycle industry, mm. which they're all obsessed by, or 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 skis or something, because there's a lot of you know other industries around where the eyewear is, and they'll suggest different techniques, and that's when it gets really exciting. For why us. why motorcycle and, and ski then? What's well, it's, it's up? It's like in the foothills of the Dolomites, okay, which right. is where the whole industry is based. Well, sort of north of Treviso, 
Um, and they're all obsessed by skiing and motorbikes. But there's, yeah, there's yeah, like there's metal components. Right. Or there's, yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, I just wanted to talk a bit about your life, basically. Your travel, you kind of... One thing that you said to me when we met last time was, um, you know, I just wanted a bit of adventure. So I went to India and I was like, oh, my God, you know, I'm sat here, mom of two, one, <laughs> one's one-year-old and one's three, and I thought I just really could do with a bit of adventure too. But, you know, how you said it, you were like, yeah, I just went and did it. And that, for me that action was so refreshing and kind of how you've built your business and your life mm. is, you know, you've built it in a way that is how you want it to be, which sounds pretty straightforward and what we all try and achieve. But actually, for me, the way that you say things is just very, it is like this. It's matter of fact. It's not um, too contrived, you know. You've kind of mm. made it how you want um, how has that happened? By design, I, by chance, by yeah. sheer determination? I think a bit of, well, yeah, look, I guess that all comes, is rooted in upbringing, you know, like my family were very much, my parents were very much followed their dreams. Um, my dad's a professional sailor and, you know, to follow, to make that a career out of that is like pretty wild. Mm. Um, and my mum, she's been a midwife and a nurse and then she was a journalist, had a radio show and she's done property development. I mean, they've just sort of jumped around to wherever their passions lie. And they always plugged it into us that we do whatever we want to do but be really good at it. I won't swear. <laughs> um, they always added something swearing yeah. in there. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, about following your passions and, and loving what you're doing mm. and really there wasn't like a concept of work and then non-work mm. in our family. It was like your life, it's your life work. So I guess it was instilled with me from from a young age um, and to really, yeah, I guess follow. My mum used to always say to me, follow, you know, what does your tummy say? What's your gut say? You know, and that's intuition. Mm. So that's about feeling good about what you're doing and making decisions based on how you feel, mm. you know, more, more in the body and less in the mind. Mm. So so I know, you know, we've just said that your mum and dad are really important to you. How, I know your grandmother as well has been part of that, which can you just explain what that is, what that means to you? I, she definitely, I was super influenced by my grandmother. I mean, she was there when my, when growing up the whole time, she... She had, She also introduced me to luxury. She was super creative and I credit my, God, my little love of luxury to her because even though she had no money, just the way that she would style herself, she'd wear a little bit of leopard almost every day or a leopard scarf to yeah. uh, under her seatbelt. <laughs> oh, my God, she's amazing. <laughs> under her seatbelt. Not to crush her clothes. Right. She'd spend money and get her hair set every week for 40 years. She had the same hairdresser. Amazing. She had these, like, amazing nails, perfectly manicured, painted black, and she would tie, like, the perfect bow or mm. make the perfect sandwich and come down to the beach on a tray in little, like, uh, terry-tailing high heels and her hair all up mm. in a turban. Like, Just that to me is out. luxury, yeah. you know, yeah. like, and... Just taste, basically. <laughs> yeah, beautiful levels of taste yeah. and, li and living beautifully. Yeah. So uh, definitely a and strong... considered and... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, what did she look like? What 
what kind of was oh, her Oh, she hair had so like big. blonde, massive, like Dallas kind of hair. Amazing. <laughs> and always black dinner. nails, Dallas hair, leopard print somewhere. I and think. She, yeah. she would always say to me, I'd say, I'm going to pick you up in 20 minutes. She'd say, darling, it's at least an hour before I can put my face on. <laughs> so we're sat here in London, you know, in your in your offices here. Um, but also you live in Ibiza. So how do you make that work? How do you make that? And you travel to, you know, Paris and you go to factories in Italy and, and all that. Yeah. How, how much do you fly around, for example? And how, I fly yeah. a lot. Yeah, I yeah. fly a lot. But I guess being Australian, I'm I'm using the advantage of being in Europe. It doesn't seem very far to fly mm. two and a half hours to Paris from Ibiza where I live um, compared to the, what is it, 24, 30 hours mm. from Australia. So, yeah, I, I lived in London for 10 years and I uh, my heart was saying to move back to Australia, but I loved the world and industry that I was in here. So I thought, how can I live in Australia? Mm. The lifestyle that I wanted there, but being in Europe. So Ibiza's kind of ticked all those boxes. Yeah. So I live, we live up in the forest um, on a mountain in the north. And uh, so I get to have that contrast, which I love. I love all the sophistication of, of London and Paris. Um, and then I also love my mm. little sanctuary yeah. of Ibiza. Retreat, and it, yeah, it's a retreat. It's, it's very gentle. It's very quiet. Um, my husband, he's a landscape artist, a painter, and it's um, it's been super conducive for both mm. of us creatively. And, yeah, I'm definitely producing better work. Um, and you can put that positivity back into your business. Yeah, and my, and, and, yeah. and the, the clients love it. Like they've definitely seen uh, a, a positive growth mm. for us. So, yeah, it's about... I sort of don't know what else I could do, to yeah. be honest, yeah. where like, else I could I mean, be. Well, it just always blew my mind that you just, it just is, you know, you just do that. Yeah, in well, I think also. Way and you don't really question it so much. Like, yeah. you know, six months pregnant, I'm going to get on a plane to India. Like, most people worry about getting sick in India not being pregnant, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like, And you're right. just like, no, 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 I'm just going on this plane, it's fine, I'm pregnant. Yes, I know, Yeah. Da, da, da. I won't be ill like you know what I mean and it's yeah. just this real mindset thing that now I know that it's partly from your parents that kind of makes a lot more sense you yeah know? um I haven't also, grown up with a lot of fear I no. don't think I don't have a lot of fear about things I don't yeah. worry about things too much yeah like, maybe that, that's the intu- intuitive thing yeah. that I know it's going to be good I know it's yeah. gonna be good for me yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> no I will just take a, a leaf yeah. out of your book I think also um, like the whole I'm taking advantage of the age that the digital age that we're mm-hmm. working in that you know to work remotely with the clients and also with my team in London is totally viable yeah. and possible yeah. I mean we even with know, Ibiza's wi-fi <laughs> oh, well yeah if it's windy it's a little bit <laughs> a bit slower but um yeah, it's it, it works out well and the clients have been really open to mm-hmm. to it and adapting. And look, I was either coming from London to go to Paris or somewhere else to yeah. go to Paris, so yeah, who really cares? Not, not really. Yeah. And my team are young and they're cool and they just yeah. you know, they love the flexibility as mm-hmm. well and um, Do they come out there to see you ever or they come you, out, right? the, the the clients come out. We have oh, like wow. workshops and stuff. They love it, of course. Wow. Um no, but also it's like a strong value within my business that the team have their they manage their own time, they have flexibility, all the values mm. that um, that I want to have. They yeah. also have a you know really positive working environment. Yeah, amazing. 
Is there anything else you want to tell us or share at the moment, apart from your report's going to be online, so people can look at that? Um, yeah, and you're going to have a baby soon. Yeah, exciting. Yeah, super <laughs> exciting. Next, next phase, next yeah. stage. So yeah, yeah, just working out how I'm just going to strap a baby to yeah. me and continue life. I know. I Hopefully. can't wait. I'm coming over in August um, to Ibiza, and I can't wait to come and see. Like, yeah. Just what it'll be like for you. Absolutely. (laughs) We're super excited and we're in a good place. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Sunshine's story is a wonderful example of how we can build businesses that are reflective of our own values and ethics and that enable us to live the kind of life we want to lead. Sunshine's clients know that led by intuition alongside a deep specialist knowledge of the eyewear industry, they will get the best designs. And who knows, they may even be invited to spend some time on the magical island of Ibiza. Till next time, be sure to follow the conversation via Instagram at Black Neon Digital, Twitter at Digital Neon and online at blackneondigital.com.